0: My name is Joel Mendez. I am the pastor of Hispanic Ministries here at Houston Church. Uh, Most of you guys know me. Uh, My wife, Carmen, and I have been part of Houston now for a few years. Uh, Just a brief, brief history about ourselves and myself is uh, about a half a year ago, about a year ago, I was working a regular job in sales, actually. Uh, I received a call. And it wasn't a Facebook call, it wasn't a messenger call, it wasn't a text, it was a call from God. And so, I'm here because I feel that God has called me to preach and to have a ministry in the Hispanic community. So, thank you for everybody's support. Uh, And if I don't know you, uh, you're more than welcome to come and greet me afterwards. Um, Below you are Bibles. If you don't have Bible, a Bible. There are some underneath the chairs. Uh, In fact, if you don't have a Bible, consider this a gift uh, from Houston. Just grab that and uh, take it with you and consider that a gift from Houston. We've been in August in the series of our mission statement. Um, Every year, we take a break from the main um, series. We're taking a break from Acts uh, this month. Uh, We started off with uh, Jeff, at the beginning of the month, and our mission statement is living, loving, and leading others to Jesus Christ. Um, this year, we're focusing on the leading others to Jesus Christ. Um, get used to that here. So, Jeff started off the series, and I love the way he broke it down. He simplified it where it made it easy for... for um, if you didn't know what the gospel is. If you, left that, um, if you left that morning, you were probably saved if you weren't already. But Jeff's message was, you cannot lead if you have not followed. And so basically, the leading others to Jesus Christ is, if you're saved, we have a job to do. We have to lead others to Jesus Christ. And we'll focus more on that you know, in a little bit. Justin's message last week still resonates in my head, at this point, at this time last week, he had a juicy steak, or fajitas. And I've actually, we've actually been to the same restaurant, Lupe Tortilla, in Katy, Texas, and I thought for a second, if you leave that any longer, I'm not going to concentrate on your message at all the entire, (laughs) but I made it through, so his message was, you are more likely to share what you know from an experience, rather than what you know from an explanation. So you can't lead if you haven't experienced it yourself. That was just his message last week. This week, this morning, it's another challenge. So today we're going to talk about a man. And a man that answered the call to this Help Wanted sign. The job description was, he must be young, must be focused, must be tough, must be driven, you must be able to deliver a specific and important message, you must be willing to travel, you must, and your target audience will be a stubborn audience, a hostile audience, a violent audience. You must be able to endure vicious insults and opposition. You must endure life-threatening situations. You will probably not get recognized by many. You will be despised. You will be hated. And the success rate will be probably very low. The positive results will be minimal. And you should have a high tolerance for pain. Before I go any further, I want... There's going to be a little interaction this morning between you guys and myself. It's going to be interactive. So right now, we just got through with Kids Club a couple weeks ago. And so the theme of the Kids Club was game on. So... I want you guys to give me your best game face and look mean for me. Look really, really mean for me. (laughs) No smiling, no laughing. (laughs) Okay, that's not going to happen. Have you ever been really, really mad? Have you ever had a bitterness about something that it just made you mad? But it was a good kind of mad, a good kind of anger, a good kind of bitterness, where maybe it was an injustice. What we're going to talk about today. Today we're going to talk about a man who fits this description, and his name is Ezekiel. Okay, no, not Ezekiel, Ellie, the number 21 for the Dallas Cowboys, who was uh, Rookie of the Year two years ago. Uh, I, I threw that in there for Russ. But the other Ezekiel we're going to talk about today is Ezekiel the prophet. So I need everybody to find your place in the Bible. If you're using one of our Bibles, it's page 944 and 945. We'll be covering three chapters this morning, and there's a lot of material, so I will do my best to kind of go through everything. Um, Let me give you a brief historical context of Ezekiel. He lived 600 years before Christ. So that would put it roughly around 24, 2,500 years ago. Uh, at this time, during that time, the southern kingdom of Judah and Jerusalem was under, uh, they were under, con- they were living in exile. They had been conquered by the Babylonians, uh, by King Nebuchadnezzar. So that entire, I don't know if you are able to see the graphic there, Everything in orange is basically the Jewish nations. And it was under Babylonian conquest by King Nebuchadnezzar. So Judah is in captivity by Babylon. Uh, Ezekiel and others, high-ranking officials, influential people, they were deported from Judah to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. So basically when King Nebuchadnezzar conquers Judah. He pulls from Judah the most influential people he can because that's what kings do. Uh, sometimes they don't always kill. They don't always do that kind of stuff. Sometimes they'll pull these people that they can use for their reign, for their kingdom. So Ezekiel is a priest and we'll go a little bit more in depth about it. So he is pulled along with other high influential people from uh, Judah and he's taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar to Babylon. At this time also, Solomon's temple had been destroyed by Babylon, and the Jewish people had no place to sacrifice, no place to worship. Ezekiel starts off as a priest. He is also the author of this book. He writes his own story. Ezekiel, now keep this in your head, Ezekiel means God's, God will strengthen or God will toughen. So God will strengthen, and God will toughen. You're probably asking yourself, how does leading others to Jesus Christ have anything to do with an an Old Testament, almost obscure passage? Or we're going to find out that what applied then, applies today. So whenever I give you guys a cue, I will have you guys say, remember who you are, what you carry, and the voice you represent. So let's practice a little bit. Remember who you are, what you carry, and the voice you represent. Now there will be a term when we come through the scriptures that will help cue for you guys to say that. Again, remember who you are, what you carry, and the voice you represent. So, we're going to start off with chapter 1. We're not going to read chapter 1. I'm going to do my best to summarize what Ezekiel is seeing here. In chapter 1, there is, he has a vision. Now, I was talking to Justin this past week, and if there are any ancient alien fans here in the room that watch it on cable, this will be almost like a close encounter of the third kind. But uh, I'm try to do it justice in the way I explain it. But Ezekiel is standing next to a river. He is in dismay because his people have been obliterated. His people have been conquered. So he's sitting at this river contemplating, God, why have you abandoned us? You've got to remember, during this time, Jerusalem and Judah... They disobeyed, and they were very rebellious. So God had allowed King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians to come in and swoop in and conquest them. Ezekiel see, sees a whirlwind, a hurricane-type of storm from the north. It's a northern cloud surrounded by bright, radiant light. I wish I had a little red thing here, but I don't. So imagine Ezekiel standing by the river, contemplating the situation for the, for the Jewish people. And all of a sudden, he sees this hurricane-looking, powerful cloud coming to him from the north. And he sees these bright, radiant lights in it. In the midst of those lights, in the midst of that crazy-looking storm, cloud, are four creatures. And this is where it gets strange. And these are, I believe, cherubim's. Each creature had four hands, four wings, four faces, the face of a man, the face of a lion, the face of an ox, and the face of an eagle. If you have any more questions about the significance of this, you can come and see Justin back there on the wall. (laughs) But... I''ll barely touch on what this might mean here in a minute. but everything that looks complicated in the Bible always comes down to a basic meaning. And we're going to learn this at the end of this passage. So imagine Ezekiel standing on a river, seeing this cloud coming at him from the north, and then seeing these four creatures, each with four faces: a man, a face of a man, face of a uh, lion, a face of an ox and a face of an eagle and the appearance is like fire so they glow like hot coals according to chapter 1 lightning bolts are going to and from each other and then next thing he sees he sees two wheels next to each cherubim next to each of these creatures and there are each wheel has a, way, a wheel within a wheel. And surrounded around each of those wheels are eyes. So it cannot get any stranger than that. <laughs> when the creatures moved, the wheels went in the same direction. So every time, and I'm thinking this is a chariot. A holy chariot. So, but every time this chariot or this device moved, the wheels would not pivot. It would just go in the same direction. The possible meaning to the wheels with eyes in any direction, I believe that means God's omnipresence. God is everywhere. God is in control. He knows what's going on on west, north, south, and east. He sees everything in our lives. He sees what's going on in the world. And nothing is hidden from Him. So a chariot with four living creatures with wheels within wheels and then all of a sudden Ezekiel hears a voice above all that. Above the cherubim and and the chariot he sees a throne with such radiance and gemstones. And then chapter 1 says and on the throne is what appears to be a man and chapter 1 says that he burned like fire and pure white and he was splendorous. So what does this come down to? God's glory showed up. The glory of God comes down to visit Ezekiel. This is where we start our Bible reading this morning. Chapter 1, verse 28 in your Bibles on Ezekiel. Like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds... After the rain, this was the appearance of the surrounding brilliant light. It looked like the glory of the Lord. When I saw it, I threw myself face down, and I heard a voice speaking. So Ezekiel is seeing this vision. He's seeing all this strange activity. He's uh, contemplating God's glory. He's overcome by God's splendor. Ezekiel falls to his face prostrate. He hears God's voice through all the other clatter of the creature's wings, chariot, and wheels. If you, read, if you go back and read chapter 1, the creatures flap their wings, and it makes a lot of noise. But somehow he is able to hone in on God's voice. So after hearing his voice, or his, what is his voice today? His word. After hearing his voice, or his word, do we fall on our face? Do we fall to our knees to worship him? Due to his glory, have we been so filled that we only hear him, or does the word or the world i 'm sorry drown him out? Ezekiel has a very sensitive connection with God right now, and it knocks him down isaiah six five Isaiah has a very similar encounter with God when he 's being commissioned, so when you go back, you can read the entire chapter of Isaiah 6. And it will be very eerily similar to what Ezekiel is going through. Isaiah six five says, Woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Do we feel shame being in same proximity with God? Are you that close to God that you feel the shame when, you, when you're with Him in your quiet time? That's how Ezekiel felt. That's how Isaiah felt. Then you say, I am not worthy. And that's what Ezekiel does when he falls on his face. Chapter 2, verse 1. He said to me, now every time I say this term, you guys will repeat. He said to me, first I'll, I'll we'll have a practice run. Son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak with you. Let's stop there for a second. Son of man. Some of you guys have heard that term. You guys have probably heard it in the New Testament. Son of man. It is a God-given role as a spokesperson for God. Son of man means you're a human representative for God, and that's what Ezekiel here is. The term in the New Testament, in the four Gospels, occurs 81 times. The son of man term. All in reference to Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, it only occurs in two books. Once in the book of Daniel, and only once. And over a hundred times in the book of Ezekiel. So God is going to repeat this term several times. Remember how we talked about toughening up? God is going to repeat several things to Ezekiel so that he can get it through his head because he wants them tough as nails. He wants them stubborn for a reason. In chapters 2 and 3, again, the... Just in the two chapters we're going to cover, two and three, it occurs ten times. So every time I say or read Son of Man, I want you guys to say, remember who you are, what you carry, and the voice you represent. So Ezekiel is a man set aside by God, being raised up with a divine message from him. Ezekiel is being set apart for a divine message from God. As Christians are... We are set aside by God for His purpose, for His doing, and we each, as Christians, are divine messengers sent out to carry a, a message in this rebellious world, as we're going to see the same type of environment Ezekiel is facing. Verse 2. As He spoke to me, a wind came into me and stood me on my feet, and I heard the one speaking to me. So He's filled with His Spirit, He's filled with His glory. Ezekiel stands ready for instructions to do His will. After hearing God's will or His word, do we continue to pray and listen for His will? Do we stand and say, God, I'm ready. Show me what you want me to do. Verses 3 through 7. He said to me, Son of man, Good. I am sending you to the house of Israel to the rebellious nations who have rebelled against me both they and their fathers have revolted against me to this very day the people to whom I am sending you are obstinate and hard-headed and you must say to them this is what the sovereign Lord says and ask for them whether they listen or not for they are rebellious how they will know that a prophet has been among them. But you, son of man, do not fear them, and do not fear the words, even though briars and thorns surround you, and you live among scorpions. Do not fear their words, and do not be terrified of the looks they give you, for they are a rebellious house. You must speak my words to them, whether they listen or not, for they are rebellious. Then verse 3, he says, son of man, remember who you are, what you carry and the voice you represent. In verse 4, he's telling Ezekiel, I'm sending you to your own people. I'm not sending you across borders. I am not sending you to distant lands. I'm sending you to your own backyard, to a rebellious people, impudent, stubborn, and the Bible says obstinate Merriam-Webster's Collegiate Dictionary says, Not easily subdued, perversely adhering to an opinion, purpose, or course in spite of reason, arguments, or persuasion. Verse 4, I, God, am sending you to them. And he's telling him to tell them, I, God, am telling you to say, Thus says the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. And verse 5 says that they're not going to listen to you. And whether they listen to you or not, God says it doesn't matter. Just give the message. Verse 5, they also he also says that they will know that a prophet has been among them. Let me pause there for a second. When you're out and about, El Reno, Hinton, Union City, Oklahoma City, do people know that somebody special has been in their proximity? Do they know, like Ezekiel, him being a prophet? that when he was in the midst of those people, they knew there was something probably odd about him, but they knew there was something different. Do they know that the people you surround yourself with at work, at school, out at Walmart, do they know that somebody special has just passed their way? Do they see something different about you? Verse 6, that you are going to encounter briars and thorns. You're going to go to the thickets. You will bleed. It will hurt. And you will be surrounded by scorpions. They will sting you. This coming Saturday, we have a hike. We're starting back up on our hikes uh, on the men's ministry. And one of the things we do is we go through some trails that are uh, clear and some that are not so clear. And sometimes we go through thorn trails bushes and uh, some of the stories that uh, we bring back I know I've certainly been uh, I've had my uh, my adventures and I've come back bleeding and some, so have some of the other guys God is telling Ezekiel you're about to go on this journey and you're going to bleed and you're going to be stung and you're going to be surrounded by people who aren't going to listen to you and in verse 6 he says But you, son of man, remember who you are, what you carry, and the voice you represent. He says, Don't be afraid of them or the words. Verse 7, We are equipped with His words, not ours. Some will hear and some won't. God says just to obey. We could stop there if we wanted to. But... We want to see that God is building up Ezekiel to be even more stubborn. He's going to repeat over and over the exact same thing so he can get it through his head and become thick-headed. As men, I know sometimes we're stubborn, but are we stubborn for the right reason? That's what God is doing with Ezekiel. Verse 8. As for you, son of man, remember who you are, who you carry, and the voice you represent. Listen to what I am saying to you. Do not rebel like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I am giving you. Basically, God is saying, don't let them influence you. You're going to go out in their midst. You're going to be surrounded by them. And it's going to be difficult don't you give in to how they are. Don't let the world affect you. Don't be rebellious like the people you're going to be sent to. Let his words be consumed by you. We're going to see that here in a second. Don't let the world affect you. Be strong and listen by obeying his word. Don't conform to those around you. And he tells him to open his mouth and eat. God's speaking here and he's telling him something. So Ezekiel's about to eat something. Let's continue to verse 9. Then I looked and realized a hand was stretched out to me, and in it was a written scroll. He unrolled it before me, and it had writing on the front and the back written on it were laments, mourning, and woe. God is giving Ezekiel a rolled out scroll, spreads it out before him, so much on it that both sides... The typical scroll back in those days was there was writing only on one side. They rolled it out. But the scroll that God is giving Ezekiel, there's writing on both sides. There's a lot as far as the message that God wants Ezekiel to have. And on it, there were lamentations and mourning, sadness, warnings. It doesn't seem like much hope according to these scrolls. So the message is probably bitter. The message is probably nasty, tasting in the mouth. It's Have you guys ever um, my wife likes those health shakes thingies from Yukon, <laughs> and they look they look nasty and revolting and bitter, but they're supposed to be healthy, at least that's what they tell you. So God is giving Ezekiel something that. It's healthy for him. It's healthy for the soul. But when he's chewing on it, the message that he's chewing is bitter. And it's making him... We're going to see here in a little bit. It's going to make him angry. Some of these shakes make me angry too. (laughs) So chapter 2. Ezekiel has seen and experienced God's glory and is being commissioned as a prophet to be sent to his own stubborn people. And God is giving him instructions through his words on how mew-headed and stubborn they will be receiving God's message. But as a son of man, who you are, what you carry, and the voice you hear. He is, a divinely, he is divinely given a task to be even more stubborn and equipped with God's word for this task at hand. The warnings, the sadness, the hopelessness seem so overwhelming, but he is reminded to obey and remember who he is, what he carries, and, and the voice he represents. Chapter 3. He said to me... So, where are we at? We... God is handing Ezekiel the scroll. And He's telling him, Eat. Chapter 3, verse 1. He said to me, Son of man, what you carry and the voice you represent. Eat what you see in front of you. Eat this scroll. And then go and speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he fed me the scroll. Verse 3, he said to me, Son of man, feed your stomach and fill your belly with this scroll I am giving to you. So I ate it, and it was sweet like honey in my mouth. So Ezekiel eats the scroll. He takes in all the warnings, all the sadness, the weight of the entire people's sin, the weight of the entire people's rebellion. Is, he's tasting it. lost my place here. He is full of God's message. In his mouth the scroll is as sweet as honey. Psalm Psalm 19, 7 through 10. The law of the Lord is perfect. And you guys are very familiar with this verse. Converting the soul. More to be desired are they than gold, yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey. And the honeycomb Have we taken in God's word and chewed upon it and just savored it? Have we ever, I'm still savoring that steak from last week, but have you ever eaten something so delicious and you've had that aftertaste in your mouth that you're like, wow, that tasted really good? Have you ever been so honed in to what God is saying in his message or his word that that tastes better than anything we could ever imagine? Are you in the zone? and sensitive to His will and obedience, so much that it, fills, that it fills us and permeates our soul, and that we overcome by how sweet His message is to us. Is that flavor so sweet that the earthly treasures mean nothing to us? Are we in His Word consistently to know that what He wants from us? God wants us to know how lost this world is, and for us to feel the pain of it, and to proclaim Him, and to say... This is what God says. This is how lost you are. God wants a relationship with you, and the consequences are not good. That's what God is asking Ezekiel to taste. That's the message that Ezekiel is having in his, in his most inner self. So Ezekiel is taking this in. He's ingesting it. He's tasting it. So what happens after taking in God's message and warnings for his people? Verses 4-9. through nine. He said to me, Son of man, Go to the house of Israel and speak my words to them, for you are not being sent to a people of intelligible speech in a difficult language, but to the house of Israel. Not too many peoples of intelligible speech and difficult language whose words you cannot understand. Surely if I had sent you to them, they would listen to you. But the house of Israel is unwilling to listen to you because they are not willing to listen to me. For the whole house of Israel is hard-headed and hard-hearted. I have made your face adamant to match their faces and your forehead hard to match their foreheads. I have made your forehead harder than flint, like diamond. Do not fear them, or be terrified of the looks they give you, for they are a rebellious house. So he says, son of man. Every time that he's about to give him an action, he reminds him who he is. He comforts him. He says, you're my messenger. I'm reminding you who you are, what you carry, and the voice you represent. God's commandment to Ezekiel, go to the Jewish people and speak my words of warning to them. He's going to be sent to a people, a rebellious people that he knows. They're not strangers. They're not strange. They're not distant. But they understand the words. They have hard hearts. And they won't listen. Ezekiel is being made more stubborn and hard-headed than the recipients because of God's power flowing through him. Are we hard-headed in the right sense, like I asked her? Are we like diamonds, stronger than its opposing force? Is God's glory shown in our deliverance of His message when we're presenting the gospel, when we're out and about in the community. is God's glory being demonstrated through us. Do they know that a messenger has been among them? Again, like chapter 2, verse 5. Verses 10 through 15. And He said to me, Son of man, remember who you are, what you carry, and the voice you represent. Take all my words that I speak to you to heart and listen carefully. Go to the exiles, to your fellow countrymen and speak to them. Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, whether they pay attention or not. Then a wind lifted me up and I heard a great rumbling sound behind me as the glory of the Lord rose from its place. And the sound of the living beings' wings brushing against each other and the sound of the wheels alongside them, a great rumbling sound. A wind lifted me up and carried me away. I went... Uh, remember these words I went bitterly my spirit full of fury and the hand of the Lord rested powerfully on me as I came to the exiles at Tel Aviv, who lived by the Kebar River I sat dumbfounded among them there where they were living for seven days so he says, Son of man, I am sending you out. Ezekiel, you are being asked to receive into you, into your heart my word. Don't just listen to my word and don't apply it. Apply it. Obedience to His word is taking God's word to heart and following His, his instructions. Right now, in the Spanish Bible studies, we're in James, Santiago, and James one twenty two was a verse that we uh, touched first uh, early. It says, But, we sh- but be sure... You, uh, you live out the message and do not merely listen to it and so deceive yourselves. If Ezekiel had just simply heard the message of obedience but didn't obey it, he would be deceiving himself. Ezekiel is surrounded by God's glory. He felt His glory inside of him because he had taken it in and he savored His glorious word. We can't proclaim His truth without understanding that we carry His glory inside of us to share and that it it is Him speaking, not us. When God speaks, we hear and obey with open hearts to His work. God's glory inside us transports us where we need to be, where He wills us to be. The bitterness. We hate the message of bitterness towards the lost and bitter that they won't listen. That's the message that we need to... That's the... That's the flavor we need to have in our mouths. As we go and talk to people in our communities, out and about, in Puebla, in Haiti, in Reno, we need to have that bitterness in our mouth for the lost because the message is very heavy. But the message that we carry is like honey. We savor in the sweetness of obeying Him to bask in His glory It should hurt because we love them, the lost. We don't want to see God's punishment upon them. We should be so overwhelmed like Ezekiel was with the task that it paralyzes and silences in our human senses. So Ezekiel is dumbfounded according to the last verse there. He's got a gamut of emotions running through him, uh, the message of hope. He's feeling pain, he's feeling anger, he's feeling sadness, he's feeling joy. It's almost more than he can... Anything he can bear. So the question is, do we have the weight of despair for the lost and the world around us? Is there an urgency on our end? So for seven days, Ezekiel was dumbstruck with the message he received from God. He's taking it all in. Remember who you are, what you carry, and the voice you represent. Verses 16 to 23 At the end of the seven days, the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, and the voice you represent. I have appointed you a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you must give them a warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you will certainly die, you do not warn him. You do not speak out to warn the wicked to turn from his wicked deed and the wicked lifestyle so that they may live. The wicked person will die for his iniquities, but I will hold you accountable for his death. But as for you, if you warn the wicked and and he does not turn from his wicked deed and from his wicked lifestyle, he will die for his iniquity, but you will have saved your own life. When a righteous turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity and I set an obstacle before him he will die if you have not warned then he will die for his sin the righteous deeds he performed will not be considered but I will hold you accountable for his death however if you warn the righteous person not to sin and he does not sin he will certainly live because he was warned and you will have saved your own life to summarize what well, we just read in those verses. Ezekiel is responsible. Ezekiel is being made what's uh, termed as a watchman. I remember being in Puebla uh, that week that we were there and every night there was a whistle. I don't know if you guys recall when, you, when we would sleep. There was a whistle throughout the evenings and I believe those are watchmen. That's just what they do in Puebla. It's like there's security throughout the evening. And they... One whistles and another whistles a second or two later. So God is making Ezekiel a watchman here for both the just and the unjust. Verses 24 through 27. Then a wind came into me and stood me on my feet. The Lord spoke to me and said, Go shut yourself in your house. As for you, son of man... What you carry and the voice you represent. They will put ropes on you and tie you up with them so you cannot go out among them. I will make your tongue stick to the roof of your mouth so that you will be silent and unable to reprove them for they are a rebellious house. But when I speak with you, I will loosen your tongue and you must say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, those who listen will listen, but the indifferent will refuse for they are a rebellious people. Ezekiel will speak God's words, not his. Some will listen, some will not. In verse 24, he's filled with his spirit after being immersed in his word. Ezekiel arose with the purpose and God's glory is with him, standing next to him. But then what does he do? Verses 24 and 25, he shuts him in his house. Has the people tie him down and bind him and is able to speak his message. What does that mean? That just means, I think... You don't necessarily have to go out evangelizing as a group. You don't have to go door to door. God will bring the people to you in your life. You can bring them to your house. You can bring them for dinner. You can bring them for a Bible study. So God is trying to teach Ezekiel, I just gave you all this power. I just gave you all this. But guess what? I'm going to hold you back. So you realize that the voice you carry is not yours, it's mine. And you will do my will and my bidding. He who hears, let him hear, and he who refuses, let him refuse. God says that we shouldn't worry about who will turn and who will repent. We need only obey and spread the message. Those that hear and obey, great. For those that don't, God's not going to lose any sleep over it. So neither shall we. Remember who we are, what you carry, and the voice we represent. At the end of Ezekiel, Ezekiel presents... Ezekiel right now is talking doom and gloom. But at the end of Ezekiel, there's a little bit of hope. And if you guys know anything about Ezekiel, the most famous story in Ezekiel is the story of the Valley of Dry Bones. You guys remember that? Where God tells Ezekiel, go to these bones and preach to it and minister to it and I will give it flesh I will put the bones together and I will put the spirit in it and God resurrects these bones at the end of Ezekiel he also talks about making the temple putting the temple uh, temple back together again so Ezekiel talks to them about hope and application there are several applications here before looking at our main application why am I talking about Ezekiel? How is this talking about leading others to Jesus Christ? And you're asking yourself, I'm not a prophet. How does this apply to me? Why, how, why or how should I apply this to me? We'll answer those questions in a minute. Ezekiel is mute and bound. You are not in control. God is. Ezekiel is filled and lifted up by his immersion in the Word. We need to be constantly listening for God's will and not conforming to the world that is not of us, that is not of God. His word gives us power. Ezekiel was given his job description. His message was pretty heavy and pretty sad, yet he obeyed. We listen through his word, we feel his spirit leading us, and we obey regardless of ourselves. If we're not in his word, always in tune with his will and open to receive his glory, we won't know his will for us in our life. And we'll be just like the Jewish people in Ezekiel's time, conquered by this rebellious world, Dispersed, confused, and wondering, why us? Jeff, do you, um, is Jeff in here? Okay. okay. Prophets, pastors, preachers, evangelists, church teachers, it's not just these people's job to go out and speak to the lost. Ezekiel was commissioned for this great task, but so are you we're called to we're all called to the mission field we just got through with the mission trip to Puebla and yes it's great that we're able to cross borders and go and talk to people but we have a mission field here in El Reno and Union City and Hinton and Oklahoma City and surrounding areas we are called to the mission fields including our own backyard our jobs our schools our city we are here to make His glory known and His glory has always been creation's mandate, including man's. The commission of making His glory known has been in place since the creation of the world, the universe, the making of man, the Jewish captivity and exodus out of Egypt, the tabernacle in the wilderness, the conquest of the promised land for the Jewish nation, King Solomon's temple, Isaiah's prophecies, the Davidic covenant of the promised one, and every single believer here today, Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We're all each commissioned, if you're a Christian for the message to the lost. We have his authority. We are full of his spirit. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We've got the power of God inside of us. We don't need to see a crazy vision. With creatures with different faces and a weird looking chariot we, if you're a Christian you've got the power of his Holy Spirit inside your heart you've got his glory inside of you don't fear the lost God will shut our mouths and make us mute to our words and will allow us to boldly speak his words not ours don't get discouraged when they refuse the gospel May we be like Ezekiel, hard-headed and strong and not fearing their rejection. We need to obey the Great Commission. Let the glory of His Great Commission be inside of us. Think about it for a second. If you're if you're saved, where would you be without Christ today? Where would you be without Christ tomorrow? I think I know the question or the answer to that question. Where would each and every one of us be if Christ if we hadn't placed our our trust in Christ at a certain point in our life, where would we be tomorrow? If you're a Christian and you're not, you don't have a relationship with God right now, this message is for you also. God has not abandoned you. He is still in control. Just like the Jewish nation thought that all hope was lost, hope is not lost for you either. He wants you to return to Him. He wants His glory to be yours again. If you've lost all sense of direction as a Christian, God is a God of many chances. Return to Him. Heed the hope that He has for you. The same hope that saved you is the same hope that can restore you. If you've never trusted in Christ, this message is for you. If you've never believed in the message of Christ's redemptive work for eternal salvation, you are in rebellion against Him. If you've never believed in the message of Christ's redemptive work for eternal salvation, your life has no direction, and you are lost. If you've never believed in the message of Christ's redemptive work for eternal salvation, you are in a dark place. If you've never believed in the message of Christ's redemptive work for eternal salvation, you have been conquered by the devil, and you are in captivity by his ways. If you've never believed in the message of Christ's redemptive work for eternal salvation, this message is for you God is here. He loves you. And He wants to adopt you into His family. Will you listen to the message He has for you? Ezekiel was a messenger to his people a long time ago. And they despised and rejected the message he carried from God. Ezekiel suffered for the sweet obedience of God. Jesus Christ became the ultimate messenger for you and for me when He became the sacrificial lamb to the world. Isaiah 53 says... He was oppressed for you and for me. He was afflicted and despised for you and for me. He opened not his mouth for you and for me. He was wounded for you and for me. He was bruised for you and for me. He was humiliated for you and for me. He became sin for you and for me. When he could have said, wretched creature worthy of only hell, he decided not to act. On his own accord, and he closed his mouth and he did the God, the Father's will. the hope that we have in him, John 11:25 says, "I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. This is the message for you if you've never trusted in Christ. Do you believe this? Come in conclusion. The command of the Great Commission was already in effect before the New Testament, before Christ. His glory and others should always be our focus in all places. Ezekiel had a great vision. God gave him his word to eat and he became full with God's glory as a representative to a lost people. But we don't need a vision, only his word. Are you obeying God's word? So the task of reaching the lost is a sweet flavor even more than honey. We need the bitterness of that message in our our mouths and in our hearts as a messenger of the gospel he will be rejected he will be insulted he will be despised you will be afflicted but don't be concerned about all this just obey we're not to get discouraged when this happens because God knew this would happen to you and to me it would happen to Christ himself he only wants your obedience to be a divine messenger remember the hope that we have in him one day he will restore everything to his rightful place when we share the message of the gospel, we, he will equip you with his glory for the task of making him known as Lord. So just remember who you are, what you carry, and the voice you represent. Savior, he can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, he rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Shine your light and let the hope glory of the risen King. Father God, may we shine and spread the light that you have given us in our hearts, Father, to a lost world that we know is stubborn and rebellious. May we go out there regardless and just be obedient to your word. May your word be like sweet honey, sweeter than the honeycomb. And we ask this sing your son's precious name Amen, Amen. you are dismissed